Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hey, everybody. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good middle of the night. I am so glad you're here. I just have to say thank you to, first of all, before we dig into all of you who have given us incredible testimonials on or reviews, I guess, on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere where we are. I so appreciate it. And I think it means a lot to me, but also the guests that we have on that you're getting so much value out of the interviews. And remember, if you're an everyday innovator out there and you're thinking, hey, I want to be interviewed, there's a nomination form on our website. Just go fill it out and we will make it happen. All right. With that, let's make this interview happen. Let me talk a little bit about today's guest and how he innovates. I'm really excited for this one and I want us to have the time to dig in. So Jason is an inquisitive imaginative. That's his everyday innovator style. Those are his two power triggers, his wellspring of innovation. And what that means, the inquisitive is all about digging deep, challenging assumptions, pulling back the layers of the onion. Well, why? Well, how come? Well, what if? People who are inquisitive tend to innovate in the questions that they ask. That's how they do it. They don't tend to jump to solution because they want to dig, dig, dig. And then the imaginative side is actually, it's a really interesting combination because that's all about playing in the gaps, novel, what's new. It's like Jason could innovate better almost if there's less information versus if there's more. Sometimes that tends to hinder imaginatives. They're really good at creating that what if scenario and kind of coming up with novel ideas that we haven't thought of yet and adopting those ideas too. I think you're going to hear both of these in the interview. So pay attention to his challenging of assumptions, his questioning, his ability to drive novel thinking. So that combination, inquisitive, imaginative, it's deep, novel innovation. You're going to hear it. All right. With that, Jason, I'm so excited. Welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Thank you so much for having me, Tamara. This is awesome to be on here, to hang out with you as a significant innovator and all the other innovators that are within your audience. And for me, um, Jason Harris, and kind of similar to you, I'm from the Bay Area. So shout out to the Bay Area, East Oakland. Go Oaktown. (laughs) Exactly. And so for me, I'm a commercial airline pilot. Uh, I also am a military member, having served in the military 20 plus years, flying military aircraft all around the world. So my biggest title, I guess, that I wear is being a pilot. And then beyond that, I've done a whole bunch of other things, but I'll just kind of leave it there tomorrow. So I'm really excited to dig into your perspective, Jason, and kind of your world, because I think you come from a very um, unique background that's really, I think it's important to all of us, but also maybe one that we don't hear as much from. So I'm pretty excited about this. Let's start with a win or something that you're proud of. Yeah, you know, um, for me, I think one of the biggest things that I'm proud of is in terms of talking about innovation is I'm getting ready to start training to fly a new airplane for the military. And the the win in that is that I'm able to transition to an airplane that I've never flown before. And so I'm really proud of the opportunity to, to challenge myself. I haven't flown military airplanes since 2014. And this is a big deal, especially when we start talking about innovation, because dude, I'm kind of, I kind of anxious to think that I'm actually going to start to learn something new at this stage in the game, not having done it for a long time. So I'm kind of proud of that, even though I'm kind of nervous about it. Can I ask you a question on that, Jason? Because I think you're hitting on something that a lot of us are experiencing right now, regardless of the industry that we're in. And that is this 
need to learn new skills, new approaches, new ways of thinking, new ways of doing our work. Um, what are you, when you think about what makes you nervous, what is that? And what do you do to help you push forward, even though the idea of a whole new play, which I'm imagining, right, is like new technology, new ways of doing it, right? Like, that's a big deal. So how do you do that? You know, it's funny, tomorrow when I talk to different people and whatnot and, um, in different capacities, one of the things I like to talk about is that imposter syndrome, right? So first off, the imposter syndrome is real, and I think it, it has the ability to get in the way of innovation. And so at times I sit there and I'm like, I'm nervous. I'm like, am I the right person? Do I know what I'm doing? Do I know what I'm talking about? Am I going to be good? Am I going to fail? Am I going to screw this up? And then I have to step back and go, you know what? You failed before. It's no big deal. What's the worst that could happen? And for me, just to make it very simple, that's kind of how I deal with that. And it sounds crazy, but yeah, I I realize that I've I've learned this before. You know, there's there's things that I've never done before, and then I figured it out, and so I can do this this time, and it'll be okay, even though it's very scary. Isn't that interesting to think that we forget about our? I think we actually forget about our successes and our failures. But I hadn't really thought about looking at the forward things that I'm nervous about and going, well, it's okay because you failed before and you're still here. So like, it can't be that bad, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, my daughter is six. She'll be seven in a couple of months or actually in less than a month. Right. And so at times she's like, daddy, I can't do it. I'm scared. And I'm like, and, and it's, it's one thing if I talk to you tomorrow about failure, because you can comprehend it. When you're talking to a six-year-old, it's a little bit different than I go, hey, honey, I go, you do remember that you didn't know how to tie your shoes initially. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And then, and then I get her to kind of go, oh, you know, and then sometimes the people that I work with, they'll tell me, they'll say, hey, sir, you know, I'm very nervous. I'm very concerned that maybe I don't, I don't know what I'm doing and maybe I'll fail. And I go, great. Let's talk about when you failed before. And if we talk about when you failed, then let's talk about what actually happened. And then, and then they basically come to the con- conclusion, it was no big deal. I'm like, great. So you're ready to go and tackle this new challenge? And you're like, yeah, now that I've gotten through the fact that it's probably not going to kill me, let's do it. <laughs> so I think that's a great challenge, Jason, for all of us out there to the next time we're nervous and putting our kind of putting ourselves out there is actually to remind ourselves of our past failures and what happened then? Now, hopefully it's not catastrophic, but it's right. 99% of the times it's not. So, or you learned such a great lesson that whatever the big mistake was, you wouldn't make it again anyway. But I never really thought of it that way. I just, I love that as a challenge to all of us, that not just to think about the confident side of things, like why we're the right person, why we're good. But I love that idea of using failure to get over imposter syndrome. Yeah. I mean, it, it's again, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, not much. Right? And, and, and so, and in, in the aviation community, what we say is, is that we fail and we fail fast and we fail forward, right? I'm sure in the innovation space, we, we say that, but a lot of people, they don't understand what that really means and they don't, they don't take it to heart. And so it's important that we actually take that to heart as we talk through that piece. So what does it mean to you in your life when you say those words, fail fast, fail forward? Yeah, you know, the easiest thing that, that I like to, to get the example I like to give tomorrow is when I go out to fly an airplane, right? Um, if I'm practicing in that airplane and, and especially in a training environment, I might do 10 landings, 10 touch and go landings, right? And none of the 10 will be exactly the same. And a couple of them, I'm going to mess up. The first time I go out there and do it, I'm going to mess up, right? So effectively, I have failed but I didn't crash or anything like that. So I fail every time I screw that landing up and then it's like, okay, great. 
you have to get beyond that failure. You have to get beyond that, that botch landing because the airplane is moving at several miles per minute. And if you get stuck in 30 seconds behind you, that's two, three, four miles behind you. But you still need to be looking at what's in front of you. And if you can't move beyond that failure that just happened, that bad landing, then the next landing and therefore every landing after that is going to continue to be bad and going to continue to fail. So you have to figure out how do you fail fast, fail forward and keep going and keep iterating and keep innovating to get better, to learn how to actually land this plane and land it well. So Jason, you just blew my mind a little bit because as you were talking, there's something you said kind of fast, but I think it's really important. So I just want to, I want to dig into it for a second before we go on. You had said, you know, you're talking about when you're landing, but that failure, like a botched landing, you didn't, I don't know, hit it right. Um, is actually two or three miles behind you, right? You've kind of processed it, but you're, the plane's still moving, right? The wind is coming, the earth is still there, like all that stuff is still happening. And I love that idea of thinking about your failures. I think we hold on to them for so long and take them forward that it gets hard for us to take risks again, to innovate again, to be bold again. It, it tends to over time kind of weigh us down a little bit because we take them forward. And I love what you're saying. It's even just a mindset shift of, those failures are actually behind you, not in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like in life, right? Like we have things that happen to us. And, and, and I think when we talk about innovation tomorrow, oftentimes we go, well, I remember I got burned before. I remember when I tried something new before and it didn't work. And therefore I'm afraid to try something new because I don't want what happened before in the past three, four, five miles behind me, three, four, five years behind me. I don't want that to happen again to me today because I don't want that to happen again to me today. I'm going to be afraid to innovate. We can't be afraid to innovate. We have to remember how, we've, how it felt. We have to remember the lessons that we, that we learned, but we have to take those and incorporate those into learning today and trying to innovate today. Let me tell you what, Jason, I think you just changed a lot of people's lives with that concept of like the failures two, three miles, two, three years behind you. And it's actually not ahead of you. So thank you for that. Cause I just, I'm going to write that down with a sticky note and put it <laughs> on my wall. Cause I fail all the time. And I, I would add to that. I like to fail fast and fail forward. I also like to fail small. And I'm just going to go back to your landing example of like, it didn't quite go well, but you didn't crash the plane. So I think we want to set ourselves up in a way that allows us to fail small too, so that we can keep Absolutely. moving forward, right? If you crash the plane, it's a whole different story. But but you cannot get it right, right? You, that's okay. Yeah. Like you can get, not get it right in probably a million different ways. So I like to fail small too because it keeps me in motion, but also keeps me learning and moving forward. Yeah, you know, and, and again, if I go back to that analogy of of the airplane, right? Before I ever get to that point of actually going out there and and failing small with those landings, I've already done a, a consistent bit of learning and training to set me up for success. And oh, by the way, I likely have an instructor sitting there next to me to help coach me through the next landing. But when that instructor is coaching me, if I'm busy not listening to that instructor because I'm thinking about what happened to me behind me, I'm no longer able to be coachable. I'm no longer able to be receptive. And if I have a team and we're trying to innovate and I'm thinking about the failures that happened yesterday, that happened last year, that happened the last project, when my team is, we're trying to coach each other and support each other, then we're going to be missing the lessons that matter for right now, for this current project, for this current innovation that's going to change our organization and potentially change the world 
because I'm stuck on that last failure. Well, I feel like we could do like three hours just on how to get unstuck from a failure. It's so good, Jason. What What's a story or a time where you had to think differently or innovate your way out of a problem into an opportunity just to move forward? Man, you know, there's, there's so many different stories about that. But I, I think for me, uh, I, I take stories of flying, right? And, and I recall um, flying in special operations. And in special operations, no day was the same. In flying period, there's no day the same. But in special operations, there's always something that comes up that you've never experienced before. And when that moment happens, you know, there's a couple of different stories. I won't get into details, but I recall having a moment where I was flying an airplane on a mission. And I was flying with the crew and we experienced something we had never experienced before. And we had to realize that we had never practiced for this specific moment. And as we were on the ground planning for what we were going to do to execute this mission, we had to realize that we had no box to even think outside of because we'd never experienced it. And therefore, we had to depend on each person on that crew to put our ideas on the table and say, okay, let's think about how are we going to do this? And it forced us to go to dig deep in, in a very short period of time and rapid development of a procedure to be able to execute the mission. And if we had a thought like the previous airplane I had flown, if we had a thought about the other jobs that we had done, we would not have been able to innovate in that moment. And so we had to step back and say, I will not allow the limiting beliefs of the previous aircraft. I will not allow the limiting beliefs of the previous job. I will not allow the limiting beliefs of the other missions that I'm trained for because I've never trained for this mission. So therefore, I have to completely set aside those limiting beliefs and those limitations to be innovative so that we can go in here and execute this mission and make sure that we save lives that are depending on us to do this mission. So I have a, a statement and then a question for you, Jason. So this is so good. So the, the statement is, I really love what you said about we didn't even have a box to think outside of. And I really struggle with outside the box thinking anyway, because I think often what happens to people is that it's like, well, but I've got this box. So what do I do with the box that I have? And where do I go outside the box? And But I think having to think differently without even having a box to try to even pretend to leap out of, I think is how a lot of us feel right now. So, you know, we are overworked, we're stressed out, the world has changed. We're dealing with new problems and opportunities we've never seen before. Like we just can't do what we've always done. So we don't, our boxes don't even really exist. They kind of fizzled away or burnt up in the last couple of years. And so when you said that, I was like, yeah, that's how I feel. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm, making decisions and using my brain in a way that doesn't have an anchor that it used to have. And um, that's not a matter of like, I'm okay with it or not okay with it. It's just the reality I think a lot of us are facing. So that's the one thing I wanted to just make sure to say to all of us out there, like, hey, I bet you your box is gone and why you're a little stressed out. Because I think we all feel that. (laughs) But here's my question to you then, which relates to all this. So we got in a box to think outside of. We have wiring in our brain and limiting beliefs and experiences from the past that do tend to drive the way we think. What do you think was the key for you and your team in that moment to get past the limiting beliefs and and have that ability and quickly, right? You were under pressure. You didn't have four days to do this, to quickly come up with solutions and find the one that worked. You know, as you're talking, I'm, you know, we're trained, obviously we should listen, but I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I got the answer. You don't have to, you don't have to ask, ask that whole question tomorrow. I got it. And so um, 
you, you had me take that survey, right? The assessment. And, I, and that was powerful because I read through everything in that assessment. And the one thing that jumps out at me is part of my particular personality um, that, that, you, that you came up with and you talked about is I use other people, right? I'm an imaginative person. I have to surround myself with certain people. And every personality in that assessment, we have to surround ourselves with different types of people to help us go beyond what we're capable of. So in that moment, when you don't have a box, you, you don't need the box because you've got other people around you. Right now, as we're going through all these challenges, right, I hit a point of, uh, in time and it, during, the, during this, the last couple of years where I was at effectively mental rock bottom, right? I was, I was, I was at the edge of that cliff and I was like, okay, I, don't, I can't go any further. I need help. I don't know how to move forward. So what did I do? I had to actually go and ask someone else for help. I had to reach out for help. And so I think in in this context, what you're saying, in that moment that we had to rapidly innovate, the best part of being able to rapidly innovate was we had a team. So there was somebody who didn't think like I thought, and I didn't think like they thought. you know. and And because of that, we were able to ensure that we didn't have to worry about each other's boxes, so to speak. We were able to go, okay, you got an idea. I like that. Did you think about this? And everyone had questions. Everyone had suggestions. And so right now, as we're trying to innovate and we're trying to make certain, that, okay, well, I don't have this box because it's fizzled away, as you said. That's fine. It's okay. You don't, you're not expected to have all the answers, but find those people that complement who you are and that can complement what you're thinking and can complement what you're trying to accomplish. And now we create our own standard. And then we don't worry about no one having a box to stand on or to think, out, to think outside of. How great that to just get over your limiting beliefs and to think differently, all you have to really do is be open to other people's perspectives and ideas, right? Isn't that really what you're saying? Like, yeah, that's it. And how, how much easier is that than trying to just jump the curve yourself, but just listen to other people? Like, what a great... What a great piece of advice. I'm a huge fan of diversity of thinking. And I don't think we use enough of it because I think we tend to cause friction. That friction shuts us down. I don't think we mean to, but I think that's how what kind of happens all the time. So I love that. I love that lesson for all of us of, hey, you're stuck. You're doing the same thing you've always done. You can't, like, you've got repetitive thoughts going on, but the world has changed. Just go find some other people with different perspectives. Like, how great is that? Yeah. If if if, if I might, real quick, tomorrow, I just, just got just to gotta throw in a... Um... A, a plug for that mindset, but also for a book that my myself and some other folks have coming out. And the reason I say that is because this book is called Militor- Military Mentorship Mastermind. And I wasn't going to bring the book up, but I got to bring the book up because this book is five different people. We all have flown different airplanes. There are four fighter pilots and myself. I've never flown a fighter jet in my lifetime, right? And the beauty of that, what you're talking about, other perspectives is I can go to these other folks and go, hey, you flew an A-10. You had an experience of having to fight your way back in combat after everything shut down on you. Hey, you've ejected out of an airplane. Hey, you're going to Harvard Law School. Hey, you fly an F-22, and I don't even know how that magic works. But when you put us together as this mastermind group, as we know and we've heard about, now you are leveraging other people's perspectives like you're talking about, tomorrow. And when you do that, it elevates you to a new level. And now you can truly accelerate that level of innovation that you're trying to get to in an organization, on a team, 
whatever that may be. And so it's powerful, that idea of mastermind conversations. You know, it's interesting. Um, recently, I'll say in the last four months, I will say that my ability to innovate and to move rapidly has accelerated. And I used to say that was because the world has changed and I'm in innovation and right, that's what I do, right? That's me. But I actually think how egotistical of me now that I say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, but what you're saying made me realize, I actually think it's the podcast because I'm interviewing people of all different perspectives all the time and taking in all this information and trying to do it with a level of curiosity and no judgment so I can really understand the brilliance in the people because I think we all have brilliance in us. But you just made me realize that like, oh, turns out it's not me. Like it's actually the fact that I interact with at least five, if not more, totally different people than me on a weekly basis and how great that experience is. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market. But the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Um, I want to flip it for a second. I want to ask you about what's about challenges. What's the big challenge you faced and how have you overcome it? <laughs> um. I would say right now, for me, a big challenge is, is the leadership roles that I'm occupying. And, and the reason I say that is because, number one, this is a role that I've not been in before in this particular leadership role that I'm occupying. That said, I'm also dealing with people in an environment that I've never been in. And so now we talk about uh, perspectives. We talk about I'm, I'm, I'm working with people that are flying an airplane that I've never flown before. They have experiences that I've never had before. And so that seems to be daunting at times. But, but the, 
the way you get beyond that challenge, just like you were just talking about, is that exposure to other people, being willing to open your mind, being willing to be open to their perspective, being willing to hear what they have to say and, and take some time to try to understand it and process it. And then from there, be able to be willing to consider changing your perspective or at least broadening your perspective so that you can be a better person. And for me, I, I take the opportunity to try to be a better leader as I'm taking in these different perspectives. And, and it's a challenge because my mind is, I think a certain way and, I'm, and I want to be able to do it a certain way. And then when I ask questions, I want to ask questions the way I want to ask the questions. But I have to go, no, no, I have to listen to your answer, which is different than anything I've ever done before. And that is challenging, you know, so it's hard, isn't it, to, um, you know, we always talk about active listening. And I think that sounds great, but, you know, it's it's hard to do. And, you know, one of the things I have found is I want to get your perspective on this. And I'm going to go back to the podcast because that's what I have to do for these, right? I have to sit and really listen to what people are saying so I can dig and pull out the nuggets. And And I love that. But I do find that I'm really tired after because it takes, it does, t- I think it takes a lot of energy. Um, and I think that it really takes, it forced me to remove some layers of filters or judgment that I might have had before so that I could be really open in listening and not wait to talk. Because sometimes what I used to do is like you would start talking, Jason, and I'd be like, oh, I have an idea in my head. Oh, I have a story I want to share. Right. And I had to let go of that. Like, I don't need to be right on this podcast. I need you to share your brilliance. But it t- took a while. So I'm curious for you, what tricks have, or tools have you learned to help you in that leadership role really listen to people and not just listen to them speak? You know, it, I'm still working on it. I'm still learning that. And, and so one of the things, yeah, it, it's very challenging tomorrow, right? And so for me, um, one of the things that, I, that I've made a point to do is say, you know what, I'm going to, like, like one of my really, really good friends, he's a friend and a, and, and a mentor at the same time, and he does this thing called an ego check, right? And, and, and when we do, when we have certain conversations, we actually do it out loud. But in that moment, I might not necessarily do an ego check out loud, but I will internally do an ego check. And when I do that, I go, you know what, I'm going to check my ego. I'm going to check my good side of my ego and the bad side of my ego and make sure that they don't get in the way. And when I do that, then it, it, it prompts me to say, don't be leaning forward to answer, Right. Lean, lean back to listen. And when I remind myself, lean back to listen, not lean forward to answer, it mentally puts me in gear to go, I'm listening. And now I'm processing it as it's happening. And then I ask them, or I let them know sometimes, give me just a few seconds to answer because I wasn't prepared to answer immediately because I'm listening with intent to listen and hear you. And that changes that level of response. So will you say that one more time? Because I think that's so powerful, the lean forward versus lean back. Will you just, just say that one nugget again? Yeah. You know, a lot of times we are leaning forward to answer, but instead, if you just lean back to listen. So if we just lean back to listen. Love it. It allows us to process versus leaning in to just be ready to talk. No, lean back to listen, folks. Love it. What a great reminder to all of us. And the other thing you said in there that I think is, is a great reminder for me too, is to be okay with saying, can you just give me a second to think about that? Like I, I was kind of processing while you were talking and I just, I need a moment to kind of 
let it sink in. Or I just need a moment to think about it. I think we're so quick to jump to solution. And when we do that, we actually shut down our ability to be open and curious and innovative, but also we miss the point, right? Because we're just kind of leaping to fill the space. We're afraid of silence as humans. We don't like it. But but I love what you said there is just a little thing. If you're not prepared to answer, that's actually okay, right? Just say, I just need a second to think about that. Yeah, it, it, and it's funny because the other part that I that I do oftentimes tomorrow is, is I will tell them sometimes, hey, give me a moment to process it. And then if I realize I was listening, but my brain, you know, because our brains move quickly for some of us and we're constantly thinking, right? And I go, hey, I heard this, 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 and this. Did I hear everything? Or is there something else you want to add? And you'd be amazed that they'll go, no, you heard it right. Or they'll be like, oh, wow, I forgot to add this. And now we're having a dialogue. Now I'm hearing them and they know that I'm hearing them. And I feel comfortable that I actually heard everything that they wanted me to hear. And then I can actually provide some responsive or some responses to what they're saying. So here's what I love about that, Jason, too, is it's for you, right, as the person receiving. But I also think if I'm on the other side of this conversation and you say to me, hey, Tamara, I heard you say this, that, and the other thing. Did I catch everything? You're actually giving me a huge gift. You're giving me the opportunity to actually think through what I'm even thinking and saying, because we're all moving so quickly. We don't even hear ourselves half the time. So I love what that little thing does for both people. And to your point, it then creates a dialogue, which is, which is a much deeper, richer place to be. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. What does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? Man, being an everyday innovator for me is not missing an opportunity to figure out how can we do something better, mm-hmm. right? Now, let, let, me, let, me, let me be very, very clear. I am not a change for the sake of change kind of person. There are some things, right? So, so uh, uh, oftentimes in the military, I, I get really annoyed by this mindset is that, and, and, and this, I think this is other organizations as well, um, but a majority of my time has been spent in military and aviation type of environments. And a lot of times people are rewarded to say, I did something and I made a change. Yeah. I don't believe in change for the sake of change, right? If, if, if something is great, if, if I take over an organization, a leadership role, and it was great, I should be patted on the back for keeping it at great. Like, let me just say that. But beyond that, for me, being an everyday innovator, if there are things that we can do better to be more effective, more efficient, maybe give our people some of their time back so that they can actually have more harmony with their work and their family and other passions, then fantastic. So for me, I'm always looking at what are the opportunities for us to make things better for us to create efficiencies and for us to be more effective. And in doing that, can we leverage the idea of being able to innovate based on what we're doing on a regular basis? And sometimes it's just little small tweaks and sometimes it takes projects to make things happen. And so for me, that's what I look at when I think about the idea of being an everyday innovator. What do you do personally to stay open-minded, curious, innovative, just on it, like the habits, routines on a daily basis? Number one, like you talked about those conversations with people throughout the week, you know, I have that, that military mastermind uh, mentor group that we, that we, that we connect, that we have conversations via text message, phone calls, right? I bounce ideas off of them. Um, I have other people in my network that I bounce ideas off of 
as well as the people that I work with in the organizations that I'm that I'm plugged into. So I do that. And then I also read different things. Sometimes I'll scan short stuff. Sometimes I'll go and read books. But I'm always trying to make certain that I sharpen my mind so that I'm prepared that when the opportunity presents itself to innovate, that I'm ready, that I'm ready to actually think through things critically, ask the right questions, right? You talked about that's part of my profile. Yeah. I think about how when I'm sitting in meetings, literally, I'm that guy, I go, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah, you Just are. Mind if I ask, <laughs> yeah. You mind if I ask a question, right? Yeah. And I'll ask a few questions to make sure I understand. And, and if I do that, if I want to be able to ask those questions, I need to make certain that my mind is, 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 is in a position to do that by what I'm reading on a regular basis, as well as by who I'm interacting with on a regular basis so that I don't get stagnant in my thought process. So you said something I want to pull out for a second and just highlight. And you said, you know, you do all this, you read, you talk to these people, you do all these things so that you're prepared when the moment comes, when, when you really need it. I think oftentimes what I've seen a lot of, and I'm sure you do too, the mistake that we make is we don't practice, right? We don't sharpen. And then so we need it. It feels hard, exhausting, impossible. We don't have the ideas. We don't have the energy. We don't have the capability. Um, But it's not that we don't have those things. It's because we didn't practice to get there. I mean, you don't become a black belt overnight, right? You don't just suddenly wake up and do the black belt test and you're done, right? You've done all these little things to prepare for that moment. and And then you keep sharpening. Right. So you stay there. So I really appreciate that you said that because for all of us listening, the lesson is like start today and be intentional about it and exercise your innovative mind. And it'll be there all the time. And especially when you need it. But like Jason said, you have to prepare. Yeah. And and and, and I'll I'll reflect on a conversation that we had um, at a different time tomorrow. Is in order to prepare, in order to take that opportunity, you cannot be afraid to fail, right? Many of us, we're operating out of fear and fear. There are studies out there, and I'm sure you have a lot of those documented studies, and they show that fear is one of the number one things that get in the way of innovation, right? To be able to practice this stuff, you can't be afraid to have the conversations. You can't be afraid of failing. You can't be afraid to be wrong because to innovate, you find all the wrong answers before you get to the right answer. But if you're afraid, then you'll never get to that right answer and you'll never get to the opportunity to actually innovate. Do you know what's funny about that, Jason, is I feel like anytime I think I have an answer out of the gate, um, it's been a little bit of a false confidence. And I've had to back up and go, hold on, let me actually poke holes in my own thinking, because that's not a bad thing. I actually think it's good to yes, but your own ideas. And let me figure out and like take a little more of a circuitous path and figure out what's wrong or what's right before I really get there. I think we, we get it's comfortable for us to think we know the answer immediately versus to fail and try. And I think we got to get more comfortable failing and trying and keep, keep that mindset going versus thinking like out of the gate, I'm going to find the solution. It's going to be right. And I'm going to be done. I don't think it's ever worked that way for me. Yeah. You, you know, I, I'll give you this quick thing, right? I, I, I relate a lot of things to flying airplanes because that's what you know, I've been doing for 20 plus years. And then I, I, you and I had talked about like high school, right? When you're a freshman in high school, you're kind of like, oh my God, you're scared or whatever. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you can get stuffed into a locker or something like that. And then when you become a senior, you're like, dude, I'm varsity. I'm a let, you know, letter winner, all right. this stuff. So amazing. I know it all. Right. I've got it figured out. I got life figured out. And then you go to college and you're a freshman again, right? And that starts over. And then you graduate and then you go into the workforce, right? And in pilot training, I remember 
that first, like the first like nine or 12 weeks of pilot training, it was pure fear, right? Like there was nothing that like, cause you didn't know what was going to happen. I remember getting into the jet with that instructor the first day and it was just like, oh my God, how much is this guy going to yell at me? Right. And then I remember getting to the end of pilot training. You're like, oh my God, flying this jet is just, just so easy. Just go and give me my wings now. Cause I'm, I'm amazing. I'm about like Chuck Yeager. And then you get to your unit to learn how to fly the new airplane and you realize I'm starting over again. And what I find is, is that people, when they have to start over again, learning a new airplane, going to a new organization, having to innovate because it's something new that we've never done before, we get afraid and we're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And some of us can be crippled by fear and some of us can be inspired by that fear. And that will make a difference as to how you face those opportunities and challenges to succeed and to innovate every single day. I love that. And here's what I really appreciate appreciate about that too, Jason, is you didn't say be fearless. And that actually drives me nuts because fear is it's hardwired into us. It's just a matter of what you do with it. And so I think a lot of people from the people I've talked to feel like a failure because they can't be fearless, right? They look at somebody who leaps and takes risks and they just go, well, that person's fearless. Well, not really. It's just a matter to your point. Does it inspire you? Does it hold you back? Does it keep you from moving forward? So I, th- I think it's important to recognize like there's two paths with fear. It's not that it goes away. There's just two paths to it. So let me ask you, as an inquisitive imaginative, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators out there of all types who are looking to push through the fear, make those changes that need to be made, make an impact the way you have in your work and life? Yeah, you know, I, I hinted around the imposter syndrome. And then I I like to mention the term psychological safety, right? So first off, surround yourself with the right folks in the environment that is psychologically safe. Make sure that you're contributing to a psychologically safe environment. Super duper important. And then the idea of the imposter syndrome, like you said, it's not about being fearless. It's about knowing how do you face that fear, right? I've had those moments where I sat in that Boeing 777 cockpit and I'm afraid and I wonder, am I going to remember what the over 500 buttons, knobs, and real stats in this airplane do? Am I going to remember how to actually fly this airplane from Chicago to Paris? Or am I going to screw it up and do something that's going to damage this airplane or those 300 passengers in the back? I've had that and occasionally yeah. it pops up at random times. But and what I have to pressure, remember, right? Because like you have other people's lives in your hands too. Dude, I, it's a lot of pressure, right? And so but in that moment, what I have to remember, tomorrow is, yes, I'm afraid. Yes, I have some fear. Yes, I have some anxiety. But it's also exhilarating. I have to push, push beyond that fear, right? It's not about being fearless to jump. It's about actually having the courage to jump. And so in that moment, what I would tell for your question is like what you said, what advice? It is to figure out how do you get to the point that you can trust yourself even in the midst of that fear? How do you muster that courage? You got you to gotta make sure you have that right training, right? I told you guys about landing the airplane over and over. That's training. I have to have that process, right? I have certain things that I think about every time I land a plane. It's that process, those checklists, those things that backs up the training that I have, and it builds up over time. So it allows me to have a little bit more confidence, a little bit more confidence, and it allows me to have courage in the face of fear. And then it allows me to be able to trust myself to be willing and able to fail, to be willing and able to innovate, and to be willing to be myself no matter what, no matter how afraid I might be, no matter how challenging it might be, no matter how different this airplane might be from anything I've ever flown in my life, no matter how different this situation might be, we've got to learn how to trust ourselves. And you got to figure out for yourself what you can do 
to create that self-trust before you can convince someone else to trust you. That is great advice. So learn how to trust yourself amidst the fear, right? It's not, they're not separate. I love that. Um, Jason, we could go on, but I can't believe we're out of time. This has been so incredible. I have one last personal question for you. Uh, What is one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? A hobby, a passion, an experience? (laughs) Um, I would say that uh, I... Horses saved my life. I'll say that one. So horses saved my life. And I also competed. Uh, I was a competitive horse rider in college at the United States Air Force Academy. How's that? That is surprising. I will take it. That totally surprises <laughs> me. Oh my gosh. I love it. I'm going to, Jason, because you're a pilot, I'm going to share something with you, by the way, um, that I don't know that many people know about me, but you, as you were talking about trusting yourself in this fear and like having all these people on the plane, I used to be the person that listened to the cockpit, you know, when you could do channel nine on the airplane, oh, yeah. do it after 9-11, right? They shut all that down because I'm afraid of flying, but I have to do it for work all the time. And every time we go up, Jason, I just want you to know, I think we're going to die. And I know we don't. And I have no proof of that. It's never happened in my thousands of flights. doesn't matter, but I do it anyway. But I used to love, because every time there was turbulence in my head, you looked like this, ready? Like, like that's what you look like in the cockpit. Turns out that's not the case at all. <laughs> and also you were talking about your kid's soccer game. Like it's just so casual, right? And it put me at ease. And I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed when they stopped that feature because it put me, your, your voice put me at ease. <laughs> yeah. It, what, I, what I tell people tomorrow is that one of the things that we're trained to do uh, is in the midst of an emergency, you know, what, what you'll never hear across the, 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 the intercom of, a, of, a, of an airplane in an emergency is, oh my God, you won't hear that chaos. You'll hear, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain, Jason Harris speaking. I'd just like to let you guys know we have a minor issue happening outside on the wing of the airplane. And of course, when you look out of the wing of the airplane, like, oh my God, that thing's on fire. But up front, we're like, hey folks, it's just a minor emergency. We're going to be taking care of it. Don't worry. Just follow the instructions of your yeah. flight attendants in the back. And we'll be on the ground safe in about 15 minutes, folks. I love you. <laughs> but but truck. But trust and believe that up front inside, I'm like, I'm like, don't screw up, Jason. Don't yeah, screw yeah. up. <laughs> also, right? Don't you think uh, we're kind of going over here? But don't you think that calmness also allows you to manage the situation? Like, yeah, like your heart rate, and you're like, oh my god, I got to deal with this, you know, wing on fire. But, but also, right? Like, doesn't doesn't that allow you to take a breath and be calm? Because you have to be calm for other people. It almost forces you to be calm. It absolutely does. It forces you to go, okay, hey, what can you control? What can you not control? And then those that are listening to you, they're going to respond to your energy. And if I, as the captain of that aircraft, if I am calm, cool, and collected, no matter how challenging the situation is, it's going to allow them to find a level of confidence and trust that I've got it under control and we'll figure it out. And that matters, especially in uncertain times like we're in now, just to relate it to the whole world. I think when the leader seems crazy and stressed, we're, we're all crazy and stressed, right? Same in your house. Oh, yeah. Didn't work. So, Jason, this has been phenomenal. And I'm laughing a little bit because I, I have a feeling that you're going to be flying a bunch of commercial planes, right? In the next like year, people are going to be like, hey, <laughs> I know that guy. I know our pilot. Hey, you hear my voice, my name. You better come up and say hello and That's let me know that you're an everyday innovator. Oh, my gosh. Promise me that you'll take photos when those people do that with you because that'll make that'll just make my day. But absolutely. I'm sending those photos to you. Oh my God. Jason, thank you so much. Really a wealth of things to really, not just insights, but things to really think deeply about. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tamara. And it's been an honor and a pleasure to be here with you with the Everyday Innovators. Thank you. 
Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.